0: Welcome to the Forum at Holy Communion, a long-standing conversation about faith, life, justice, arts, culture. Each week, we will premiere a conversation on our channels. And then on the following Sunday, we join in the conversation with Q and A and a chance to engage on the topic. We're so glad you have joined us. Welcome to the forum. My name is Mike. I am one of the priests at Holy Communion. We get together usually about every week during the program year to have a conversation about life, about faith, about politics, about stuff that has come up. And given where we are at the moment, it felt like the most important thing to start our spring semester of the forum off with was a conversation about Omicron and COVID and church. And what we all can be doing. Holy Communion has been really blessed to be um, have a lot of resources in terms of really knowledgeable people in our congregation. As a priest, I've been really thankful for the folks who have been advising me and the vestry on our practices. Uh, Dr. Allison Nash is, I don't think we ever made you formally the chair of that committee, but um, she's sort of the dean of the committee in terms of when, when Allison says something, everybody listens really closely. So uh, her, she and um, her family have been working in pediatrics and public health in St. Louis for a couple generations now. Um, and she's just a really trusted voice. And that's true in our congregation. It's true in wider St. Louis. So I've been incredibly grateful for Dr. Nash's um, conversation and her advice to us. Uh, and... Paul Mensa is with us as well. Paul is a vice president at Pfizer who works with the vaccine team and with the drug therapies teams. Um, and I've also had some really great conversations with Paul and there are a lot of questions coming up right now around um, vaccines and drug therapies. Paul's done some really informative interviews for St. Louis Public Radio and other outlets. I thought it'd be great to have Paul come in. Paul's also a parent of kids in our church school and the church school is affected right now so we're in the midst of some good conversation so welcome to both of you and thank you and dr nash i wonder if i could ask you first to give us a picture of what's going on right now in st louis specifically with omicron and what are you seeing in your practice hearing from your colleagues
1: yes well what we're seeing here in st louis is being mirrored across the United States, we're seeing a, a sharp increase in cases, a sharp increase in hospitalizations, but in particular, which is different from previous um, um, inc- increase, you know, with Delta wave and the other, I mean, Delta variant and the other um, variants, we're seeing an increase in hospitals, hospitalizations among children. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something uh, new. Um, and so what's what's happening is we're seeing that uh, people who have been vaccinated are getting this, but they're not getting particularly sick. The by far the very uh, ill patients are those who are unvaccinated or young children who who are too young to be vaccinated. So that's and I'm seeing um, uh, a, a large. In, uh, uptake in uh, positive uh, tests in my uh, patient population. Um, and so it's been a pretty busy uh, start to the new year.
0: What is, how are your colleagues doing? How are how are things in the medical field? And you're talking about a rise in cases in your own practice and how are folks doing?
1: Well, one of the things that we're seeing are more healthcare personnel being affected. So then that means they're, um, Isolated and can't be at work, so then our um, our staff is is short, which makes it um, you know just uh, uh, more difficult to provide the care for the patients you know that need it. So um, so you know that's an issue across uh, across our city, across our state, across our country.
0: It's it's hard right now. Um, I would say you know for the church, keep praying for your healthcare workers. Um, Pray for teachers, pray for uh, everybody on the front line, but especially the healthcare workers right now, we need them desperately, and it's real hard. Can you talk about kind of what are the tools that we have and what are the sort of upgrades that Omicron has required?
1: So I always say that vaccines are the most powerful tool that we have. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Number one, I mean, we want to encourage everyone who can get vaccinated, who's eligible to be boosted to do it. You know, reach out to your trusted healthcare professional for with questions or advice. Go on the CDC website. You could follow the CDC on Instagram and get uh, moment-to-moment updates. So, you know, the information is there. Please reach out and ask so that you can make the choice to take the vaccine. So that's the That's really the main thing. And then with mask wearing, you know, there's some conversation, you know, there's recent studies that that are recommending um, masks, um, not just the cloth mask, but cloth and surgical masks to provide better protection or the KN95s that, and it's really all about the fit around the nose and the mouth um, and it's about the permeability of the material.
0: I gotta say, we upgraded the masks we offer at church. We got about a thousand of the KN95s now. Um, I partly like them because I don't see them sliding off people's noses quite as much, right? Because they got that bridge. But um, Chester, the de- our deacon, really doesn't like them because he says it's harder to breathe through this. And I had to say to Chester, yeah, that's part of the point, my friend. That's part <laughs> of the point. He's been wearing his dutifully. I've been amazed, you know, there's all sorts of questions out there about the masks and about like, uh, there's different approval agencies and things like that. We just finally, two weeks after I ordered them, got our first delivery of, there's not like an approved KN95 for kids or there's not, they don't do the same rating. Is that right? What are you telling parents of kids about particular masks for kids?
1: So what I'm really recommending is that, the mask fit properly yeah. that's the most important thing because again we're talking about can you afford to get a mask yeah. you know we want you to wear something
0: if there's a question of affordability I just have to say if you know like you're related to Holy Communion at all reach out to clergy we will help out any way we can making sure that your family has um, what they need at this moment um, so please don't I mean like a plug into that do reach out to me and Julie. And if you're looking for you know, another family who's found masks or things like that, man, we got some scrappy people that know how to use the, um, the deep recesses of waking up at two in the morning to order things from walgreens.com, right at restock and things. So reach out, we're finding some of that. I wanna pivot for a second on the vaccines. Um, we made the decision back in fall uh, as a church to ask people who are eligible to be vaccinated. Um, I was kind of amazed. I didn't really, it it seems like such a divisive thing right now in the country, which really just confuses me, but the church writ large responded well. Um, I had far more people that responded by saying, I feel safer at church with this in place than I did without it in place. Um, But we are hearing um, a couple of different things around vaccine hesitancy, not folks showing up to church who are vaccine hesitant necessarily, but we've got some grandparents in the congregation that have grandkids that aren't vaccinated, um, and they're trying to figure out how to talk to the parents of, of those kids. Uh, we've got people in the church that are wondering about family members who are talking about medical exemptions, so I wonder, this question is really for both of you, Paul, since you're working with Pfizer and our kind of, uh, the, what are you all saying to folks who still vaccine hesitant or who have interesting opinions about who ought to be getting the vaccine.
2: Well, Mike, first, uh, thanks for having me and thanks uh, for doing this. I think it's great uh, for the Holy Communion community uh, to be doing this thing. Um, You know, I mean, I think vaccine hesitancy has been around for a long time, but uh, I think it's important for people to know that vaccines are given to healthy people, right? You don't give vaccine to people who are sick. It's too late. Um, And so you typically will give it to uh, healthy people. And with that in mind, the bar, the safety bar is much higher than someone who is sick that you're giving medicine to. So there's a thorough um, investigative process through through that whole thing. You know, I mean, people have various reasons for not wanting to get vaccinated. I can't figure out why and why not. I would venture to say most people have gotten some vaccine at some point. When you are born as a kid, you are given vaccine. There are lots of vaccines given to childhood. You are given vaccine to uh, attend school. You know, uh, my my daughters, Eva and Olivia, have been vaccinated way before even the COVID came about. Um, It's hard for me, especially in a pandemic, uh, to think about the basis for not wanting to get vaccinated. the vaccines have been given to multiple. I mean, in the early phases, right after the clinical trials, which you know, at least for the Pfizer vaccine, uh, almost fifty thousand people got it during the clinical trial. Uh, but since then, uh, there've been millions of billions of people who have received the vaccine, and I think the safety of it is 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 well recognized. Now, they may. I'm not a physician, obviously, uh, but there may be people who may have legitimate reasons for doing it. And and for those, I encourage them to uh, talk to their doctors and get insights on it. But for those who are not receiving the vaccine because of the noise they hear on the internet and all these crazy things that they hear, uh, I I would encourage them, uh, like Dr. Nash said, look on the CDC guidance uh, uh, website. There are lots of information um, uh, at a really respected site that can provide some significant uh, uh, answers to some of the questions that people have. Uh, but, you know, the vaccines have been proven and at least the, the risk benefit of the vaccine has been well established and they are saving lives and really they are our only way out of this pandemic. Yeah. What Can you tell me what's going on with the, the littles and vaccines and what's happening right now? Yes, let me, let me start off by maybe uh, kind of um, uh, telling you about what the vaccine is authorized for today. Yeah. Right. So right now, anyone over five years old, five to eleven year old can get vaccinated.
0: And that's Pfizer uh, specifically, right? Because the other ones,
2: yeah. Have, um, I think the other vac- the other two vaccines, Modernas and, and JNJs, are approved for 18 years and up. Uh, Pfizer starts at five year old uh, and up. And anyone who is five years old can get vaccinated. And you know my my Ava Uh, has gotten her second dose about two weeks ago, so she's feeling really good about it. Mm. Uh, Anyone above, uh, I think 11 or 12 years old, which Olivia falls into it, can now get the booster, okay? Because it's been a few months since they got it and Olivia got her booster um, um, a couple of weeks ago. Now, the way we do the vaccine is that as we're doing the clinical trials, uh, as you get to younger patients, uh, younger kids, uh, you do them on a dose basis. So you don't give the same dose to the mm-hmm. adult as you give to the kids. Um, and, and, and what we did, if you know, like the 5 to 11-year-old are given a dose of 10 microgram dose. And for 12 and above, have 30 microgram dose. So in the study uh, with, I think, 6 months to 5 years old, uh, they were given 3 microgram dose. Um, and... Uh, what the study indicated uh, that I, I believe from six months to two years, it appears that pre-micrograms is working really well. Uh, for two years to five years, uh, it's working, uh, but the response is not as robust as it is. And so mm-hmm. we continue on with the study uh, with a third dose. Uh, and, and the expectation is that we, we should be submitting the data pretty soon, and we are hopeful that sometime in the April timeframe, uh, the FDA uh, and then by the CDC will authorize the use uh, of the vaccines uh, for anyone from six months to five year old. So you, you probably can't tell
0: me like, you know what the, but, but you're, you're given reason to hope it's, the idea is that the third dose is what will be needed for that age group rather than adjusting the dosage and probably having to restart the study.
2: Yes, I mean, I think I think the current study is really focused on giving a third dose. Now, I mean, all of, I've gotten my third dose <laughs> anyway, uh, and and I and, and the response is pretty. It's there. I mean, I you know before you get into the trial, you set predetermined criteria to meet, um, and and I think the intention was we were, we were always going to get a third dose anyway, uh, mm-hmm. but based on the initial data to really kind of um, get it to the end. Uh, the sense is the third dose uh, will add for it. So we've started the study, and like I said, we should be submitting relatively soon, and and we should get approval uh, in the
0: March timeframe. Like if I said, it, it took a minute for me to get past the you know because my my horizon is very like I want Silas to be vaccinated, but but when I realized it was like oh wait, but this means like we're really being serious about science with this, like this we're not messing around, yep. we're not just rushing this thing. Uh, they they didn't get the result they wanted, and so they're. Push into another that that for me was helpful. If still you know, I still am looking for the, to, forward to the day when Zylas can be vaccinated. But
2: yeah, and the I,
0: world I, is also shifted around it, right? Like with all the different variants and things, what the vaccines are protecting against is shifting around what's being studied, right?
2: Yes, I mean the initial vaccine was made targeting uh, the wild type, the the Wuhan, the one originated from Wuhan, and as you know. Uh, in, in in many ways due to the fact that we haven't gotten complete vaccination the virus you know is trying to survive and it's evolving uh, and delta became a big deal and omicron became an even bigger deal and so uh, you know as you're studying people over time you are studying the different population right and now omicron is the, is, is the biggest thing so most of uh, the vaccines are against uh, omicron now it is you know, you know, I I think we reported even for adults that after two doses, the response wasn't very good. And it was only a third dose that really gave it a higher response. And so that's why we've encouraged everyone to get the booster. Uh, we are, I think we've made it public, working on Omicron-specific uh, vaccine. Uh, we expected, and uh, our CEO has been public with it, uh, to be out in March. Uh, wow. And we will determine at that point, you know, uh, whether that's the way to go or whether... Um, the current vaccine works best. So we, we are starting clinical trials with that right now and we'll compare the two.
0: That's um, a, I just want to, so we're in January. We first detected Omicron in November and in March, you're going to be doing clinical trials on the next, on this vaccine.
2: In fact, we are starting clinical trials oh, doing, uh, wow. uh, um, in, in, at the end of the month, or early that's February. But that's, the, that's the beauty of the mRNA vaccines. We're able to react very quickly and we have the foundation for it. Uh, to be able to build that. And so uh, we can react quickly. Uh, in a way, it's almost like the flu, right? People react. We have, there's more time with the flu, obviously, to react to it. Uh, but, you know, this virus is evolving. And with that evolution, we need to make sure, we need to stay ahead of it. Yeah. Uh, now, what we want to do is if we make an Omicron vaccine that not only does it work for the Delta virus, but it will also work for the future there, yeah. right? And And so there's a lot of, uh, um, work to really make sure that if we do switch and I do not it's a big if, uh, the current vaccine works really well and if you're boosted, you are protected. Uh, it doesn't do as great. Omicron is highly infectious and yeah. the current vaccine, as you know, there's been lots of breakthroughs. It doesn't do as great as preventing infection, but hospitalization and, and severe disease is doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, And we hope in the future uh, we'll be able to, if Omicron is proven uh, to work, the Omicron vaccine is proven to work, it should not only prevent hospitalization and severe disease, but hopefully also help with infections as well. So what does the future
0: look like? Like what is Omicron right now is just, I mean, it's crazy how many people are testing positive and how long do we think that goes on for and what are
2: we looking toward
0: um, in the next weeks and months?
2: Well, I mean, I've heard um, recently uh, on the news that um, uh, Omicron may be peaking on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is a big country and the places that haven't had as much of it uh, will probably go through and peak. So I think uh, it's still going to be hugely impactful in a negative way uh, over the next few weeks. And so, again, uh, I know we've said it enough, vaccination is really the the best cause for it. Um, And I I think until we get to a point where we have a lot of vaccinated people, uh, this COVID virus, they just keep mutating. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I heard recently that they've found a new variant that's a combination of Omicron and Delta somewhere in Europe. Uh, So who knows what's coming? Um, You know, I think think we are... um, as a community, I mean, the world community, I think we are getting more and more tools to help uh, fight these things, but it appears this might be here to stay and could be endemic. Uh, And so people who are not used to vaccination nowadays, should probably get used to it, but because the next one may be worse than Delta or worse than um, Omicron, you just don't know. Uh, And so we just need to kind of be comfortable uh, with getting uh, the best treatment out there, which is really getting vaccinated. Dr. Nash, I love your response.
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, I guess I'm I'm hopeful that we're gonna, you know, the peak is coming at least by the end of this month, and then we're going to be on a downward trend. But again, I don't. I mean, that that's just me hoping. Yeah. Um The one thing is the more, I mean, because we have such a high case rate, then the point that Paul made is that, you know, there won't be any you know fresh meat for the virus to infect. So in, you know, so then obviously that's why it kind of peters out. Um, We could also accomplish that with uh, people getting vaccinated and, you know, getting to herd immunity, which is probably gonna be needing to get over 90%, you know, of the population uh, vaccinated um and then it'll be interesting to see again you know so what does endemic look like you know and you know how often are we going to need to get a, a vaccine or, or are we going to you know so i mean it's going to be an interesting year that's yeah. all i can say we just kind of
0: what about the the other mitigation efforts do, do you see a horizon point at which we can look forward to eventually you know like Less masks, less infection rates, that kind of thing.
1: Well, not anytime soon. I mean, we've got you know, we went from having what is a four percent positivity rate to like eighty-five percent, right? So we have to get that way back down, and then um, and then again, see, as Paul was saying, if there's another variant that's coming out, what does that look like? Um, I mean, we know that the that masking. Is one of the best uh, uh, mitigation tools that we have: masking and the distancing. I think, I think we're going to be living with that for, you know, at least till the summer. Yeah, and then it just remains to be seen.
2: Mm-hmm. I have to admit, you know, I miss seeing people's full face and stuff like that, you know, uh, but. The mask has not only helped with COVID, it's also helped a lot with flu and other stuff that, you know, yeah. usually come around. So yes. uh, uh, you know, it's been, you know, I'm fully vaccinated, I'm fully boosted, but I still wear my mask and and thankfully I've you know stayed away from getting any of this uh, uh, virus. But yeah, I mean it's you know, you, you get used to it. You know, the kids worried at school all the time, they get used to it, they come home, they take it off. Um, and you know, I think at least for me, uh, until we get to a point where uh, the virus is not out there infecting so many people, uh, I still prefer to put on my mask just to be on the safe
0: side. So so one of the burning questions with Omicron is, is just everybody going to get this? Yeah, is, is everybody going to get it?
2: Well, I hope I don't, I hope I don't get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying not to get it. Uh, but again, if you get it and you're vaccinated, you'll be fine. Right. For the most part, you'd be fine. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying not to get it.
1: I'm with Paul. I'm wearing my mask and I encourage everybody to keep wearing it until, you know, we get to a get to a better place with this, you know. There
2: will be a future. There will be a future where, you know. And, you know, people are either vaccinated or they've gotten in and we get to some endemic state where the mask will not be normal and we'll have plenty of antiviral if someone gets sick, they'll do it. And we will get there, but we're not there yet. And so once yeah. we get there, I think, you know, it's, it, it makes sense to wear your mask. Yeah, the, the other thing that really, I remember, I think I've told this story
0: before, but I had a seminary classmate from Hong Kong, um, who one day showed up in class with a mask on. And this was way before, you know, I've been a priest a while now, it's kind of scary, 10 years. But so, but this was so more than 10 years ago. And she showed up in class with a mask on and one of her classmates from the South started kidding her about it, um, you know, saying basically like, what, you worried I'm gonna infect you with something? And she turned, she said, no, where I live, it is the norm that if you have something going on—a tickle in your throat or a runny nose or something—you put a mask on for the sake of your classmates, right? She's like, my mask is for you, not for me. Um, and it was this game. I mean, like a whole bunch of people told that story from that class in the early days of COVID, right? But that's—I I hope for that future with masks, right? That. Um, someday, Silas has a sniffle, no fever. We're not worried about an active pandemic. And so we say, yeah, he can go to class, but we'll send him with a mask, you know? That's, that's my hope on mask wearing, I think. We're testing clergy and choir members and um, we've really reduced the choir, but um, people who are singing, people who are reading, and we're encouraging folks to get tested if they can um, can we talk about the role that, you know, especially rapid tests, but what's going on with testing? There's so much with testing right now. That's, oh, goodness. Yeah. That's
1: making me lose all my hair. So <laughs> I'm be like Paul.
2: Yeah, it's a good
1: look. No, I'm teasing. But uh, I think recommending a test, you yeah. know, and it's more so for your own comfort level, I think it's important for people who are going to be massless and, um, giving the sermon, um, singing, um, you know, doing the lessons, that makes sense because they're going to be without their mask. But for the congregation, I think it's, it's a good idea to say, test if that makes you feel more comfortable. But the most important thing is be vaccinated and wear your mask
2: and keep your mask on. And uh, I think it's important, you know, if you test negative and you're still not feeling well, you shouldn't be going to church, right? And so uh, the the most important thing is making sure that you feel like you've recovered, um, and then you know, put on your mask. Um, yeah, but if you if you're not feeling well and you test and it's negative, I'd still be worried about you going to church because you know you never know if it's a, a false negative. We had somebody who emailed me with exactly that. I won't give you
0: too many de- details, but said, "Well, I had a negative rapid test and my PCR won't be in, but I'm not feeling real way- real great." And I said, "Well, then stay home." Right. And Sunday afternoon, I got an email. Well, my PCR came back positive. So it's hard. I mean, the testing landscape is hard. We are gonna screen folks that are projecting their voice um, from the front while we can get tests. We were able to order a big pack of tests and they came pretty quick. Uh, And I'm working with some interfaith colleagues um, who are reaching out to the health departments and trying to get churches and synagogues to be test distribution sites. Supposedly when this big bunch of tests is coming down the pipeline, they're going to need. Um, and so we're trying to see if we can be helpful with that. Um, in the meantime, I'll say the same thing to folks. If you're having a hard time getting a test and you really need a test, we have some people in the congregation. They're the same people that were really good um, nine months ago at getting vaccination appointments for people who are eligible, but we're having a hard time getting vaccination appointments back when those were rare. So if you really need a test and you're having a hard time getting a test and your doctor's office is swamped and can't order it let us know. We'll see if we can hook you up with a, a test finder buddy. But we got a few of them that are pretty good in the congregation. So um, we're happy to be a community and support each other the ways we can. Um, we also have done meal deliveries for quarantine families and help people get groceries, all that kind of stuff. So we're at a phase where we got to be community for each other yet again. And that's thankfully what a church is
2: for. I just want to uh, say that This too will pass, right? It's not, this is not going to be life as we know it forever. Um, and and I I know it's challenging in so many ways to uh follow the guidance from the CDC and others and stuff like that. But if you can, I mean, not even if you can, you should make every effort to follow the guidance, uh, getting vaccinated, wearing your mask, uh, making sure that you are not only protecting you, but you're protecting others at church, at home and stuff. So uh, it will pass, but I think it's a communal effort. We need to work together to make it pass fast. So I encourage everyone to, uh, you know, take the politics out, uh, block out the noise and go to the right sources to get the right information uh, for your questions.
0: Dr. Nash, I'm seeing nodding. Anything else you well, want?
1: Well, to- just ditto. I mean, I think, again, it, it is, it's, you know, getting the the right information so that you can make the choice. And I think it's important that it's a choice, but the, but it's it's not just for you.
2: Hmm. It's
1: what you're going to do is going to help your fellow man. And so I think that's, you know, we're all in this together and we want to come out on the other side and we will, but we, we, we need to, care for each other um, as we go along this road.
0: Yeah. No, I really, I I appreciate both of you taking the time and I know you're both working really hard right now um, in the midst of all of this. So I, and and both of you have been working really hard since the very beginning of this. Um, And so I just want to say you've both been in my prayers. I know you've been in the prayers, a lot of people in the congregation but we're just so grateful for the work that you do, the work that your teams do. Um, and thanks for spending this time with us. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I am gonna, um, we've got a couple of mental health care professionals that I'm in conversation with. We'll talk about mental health and COVID as well. Decided to save that as a separate conversation, but stay okay. tuned. Um, we won't be doing a Q&A on the front lawn. It's just too darn cold right now uh, to all hang out on the front lawn on a Sunday morning. Um, but one of the things I think you've heard today that I think is really important is, If you've got a specific COVID question, um, it's really important to have a good relationship with your medical care provider um, and to be in conversation with them um, as well. Because as much as we can talk about the general conversation around COVID and general advice, um, what you and what your family are facing, it's really important for you to lean into that relationship with your medical care provider. So, um, you know, make sure they know how much you appreciate them too right now because they're having a hard time in the midst of all of this. So Paul, Allison, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank Very you for welcome. the time um, and uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more. Yes, thank you. Right.